With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Well, coming to you from sunny, breezy, waiting for LeBron James, California. Welcome in. We have what I think is an incredible Friday show for you. Uh, There's a lot of people in my industry who are like, dude, dude, take Fridays off. It's summer. Take Fridays off. The series is over. Take Fridays off. Many of you who are also my friends text me like, dude, don't take Friday off. I'm headed to the lake. I'm headed to Oregon. I'm headed to New Hampshire. I'm headed out to the beach. I'm headed to here. Like, Don't worry. We got you covered. Um, what I think um, Cindy Katz, who books this show, along with Ryan Music, who produces this show, they have concocted a great formula to which uh, we're going to have your, your Friday to which just keep it here. 
Keep you updated on all these stories of the day. Sam Amick from USA Today, their NBA insider, is going to join us in 20 minutes. Brad Stevens, head coach of the Celtics, is going to join us in an hour. Jim Jackson is going to join us, of course, NBA analyst for Fox Sports Radio. He's also a Fox Sports Radio host. He's going to join us. So we'll get you ready for hoops tonight in Cleveland. Could be the last basketball game until next, what, uh, October or so? Yeah. Yeah. Um, We got some football stuff for you as well. Rumors of another story with the Patriots that have not come to fruition, at least to this, to this point. Um, I want to start with the, the terrible news that so many of us woke up to, which is Anthony Bourdain, who is a renowned chef, author, and host of several different travel TV shows, um, killed himself at the age of 61 years old. Now, if you know anything about Anthony Bourdain, like here's a dude who, if you like, you look at his face, you're like, well, there's a guy who's lived, right? 61 years old. He would drink, he would smoke. He would, he would start up a conversation with anybody. He would try any food and give it to you his honest opinion. But you looked at his face like, and then you read, he had a heroin problem, bouts with depression. Like, look, there's an end. And when you, not everyone is wired for superstardom. Not everyone is wired for superstardom. Like, do I think LeBron James says and does everything in terms of how he uh, handles the media with all of these media obligations perfectly? I, I don't. I don't. There's things that he says, things that he does, I wish he would not do. On the other hand, it's really important to point out Um, Here's a guy who came from nothing, no father in his life, is a multimillionaire 10 times over, may well end up being a billionaire at some point in his life. Married his high school sweetheart, appears to be not just a father, but a dad as well. And I, I, there's never been rumors of, there's nothing, nothing off the court, there's nothing. There's no DUIs. There's no domestic stuff. So like any sort of issue you have with LeBron, it's cool. But remember, like here's a guy who understands how to handle all this. It's got to be hard. And you're like, well, these are first world problems. They are. Like I would love to be able to go to the, not ever have to check the bank account to just like, I feel like buying that. I'll buy that. People, when you're that rich, people give you stuff because they just, they want, they want other people to see you wearing their stuff. But LeBron James is built for superstardom. I, my first ever work for uh, um, my one of my first big gigs for in radio, national radio was the NBA draft in two thousand three, and I'll never forget the day before the NBA draft um, in New York City. We met with LeBron. We met with. Uh, Carmelo with Dwayne Wade with Chris Bosh. I talked with, with with some of Darko's folks as well because I played against him when I was in Israel. And LeBron just looked different than everybody else. Like here was an 18 year old kid from Akron, Ohio, who just like, I mean, looked you in the eye when you asked a question and gave you a really good answer. Like what? So the Bourdain stuff. I, you know, look, I, I just, I don't have that in me and I understand mental health care is badly needed when you suffer from depression. Just, you know, people who have done this to themselves, they're thinking so differently than we're all thinking right now. Right. 
Um, I, I also think that there's just a, a percentage of people that have it in them that they could do that. I'm just not one of those people. So I struggle to relate to that. But I also think there's at least an element of it too. Cause you ever heard Anthony Bourdain talk about the fact he would feel bad popularizing some of the great restaurants and little hole in the walls around the world because Anthony Bourdain would take it parts unknown. You go to some place and he would say like, people would say, Hey, you ruined my favorite bar. <laughs> you know? And he's just, he's just a chef. He's just a chef. Like if you grow up thinking of being a chef, no matter how big you think you can be as a chef, nobody, when they started like, look, these cooking shows and how, how well known these guys, you look back 30 years ago, athletes were still prominent. Me, music stars, movie stars, TV show stars. T, the, these people, chefs were never superstars until like the last 10 years. So I don't know if he was built for what he created. I don't know if that's what led to it. But I do know this, that when you watched Bourdain, the reason that so many people liked him was because he lived like we'd all like to live, right? Like, look, I, the, the more I travel, the more I do, every time I've ever traveled, I've come back, I, you land, you're like, man, America's so much better. Like, oh, I like the food there, like this there, like that there, but man, America's so much we, And then the more you travel, like, you know, D.C.'s an awesome city. Baltimore's an awesome city. Chicago's an amazing city. Uh, I was in Milwaukee this year. I was born there. Milwaukee's, we were in the Twin Cities. We'll be in the Twin Cities next year for the Final Four. Like, that's awesome. Like, there's plenty of parts unknown within our own country, but Anthony Bourdain going to, whether it's here, there, anywhere, you're like, man, I, I'd love to travel. I'd love to try stuff. I'd love to talk to people and for a short period of time, get to know them. I'd love to drink their drinks, to smoke their smokes, you know, to, to hear their songs. And that's what he did. And so you're like, man, I, 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 I wish I was, I'm like living vicariously through him. And then I also think a lot of us, there's so much noise on TV that sometimes you just want TV to take you away, take you to a place to which you haven't gone and you may never go. The juxtaposition of that with like a LeBron and a Kevin Durant, kind of surprising to me. If you don't like LeBron because he left Cleveland originally and you don't like Durant because he left Oklahoma City, why do you like Anthony Bourdain? Why'd you like Anthony Bourdain? I mean, all these guys did was they made a bunch of money. They were really successful. They wanted to try something different with a different group of guys and then try to, you know, go win. it's It's an interesting juxtaposition of how we look at athletes who we feel like are, are, they win the genetic lottery. And like LeBron James, he can tell us, I'm not supposed to be here. Dude, you're 6'8", you're 260 pounds. If you're not supposed to be there, you're supposed to be on some field or some playing surface because you, my friend, are an athlete. And Kevin Durant, I, there's, I'm not sure there's anything else he could do. As, as good as he is as a basketball player, like, yeah, I mean, there's no, never been a seven-foot baseball player. He's too skinny to play football. So what, what else would he, like these guys, yeah, they won, but they also work in, you're not that good unless you work incredibly hard. And when you work hard at your job, you earn the right to go look for a different job and try something different. I'm, I'm fascinated by that juxtaposition. I, I really am.
because they're really living a life that you would like to live, wouldn't you? But I, I don't, maybe it's how, how we package it, how it sold it because they're bigger than life because we feel like they were, were born on third base. I don't know. Uh, let me give you a quick thought on the NBA Finals. This is Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. The road ahead is bound to take some unexpected turns. Farmers Insurance can help you understand your coverage options with our practical knowledge gained for more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find an agent at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Finals feel over. They feel over. I was listening to LeBron talk. There's been leaks about teams that he's going to talk to. A lot of talk about the offseason already. This feels like... Um, my kids are still in school, one for one more week, uh, two for one more week and one more for like two more weeks. But you know how sometimes like you do your finals and it's just like, we're just, we're just checking boxes to get to 180 days. Ramos, you said your kids are already out of school? They've already started summer? Yes. Uh, their last day was Friday. Oh, I'm sorry, Tuesday of this week. This past week, huh. Tuesday. Yeah, they're out. Huh. Um, that's why when you said your kids for another two weeks, that's, that's long. When yeah. you start like late, well, late September. No, after, after Labor Day. Okay. They yeah. also, they have a, they have a week off in February uh, on the tough, hard streets of Newport beach, California. They have ski week. That's right. Know. The ski week, ski week. Go, go get out of town and go skiing. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. But it does. I, I, and, and it's weird because, again, we're going to tell this story about the finals as if it was just a dominant flex the muscles of the Warriors. But game one, the Cavs should have won. Game three, the Cavs could have won. Game two was not in any way a blowout. We have not had a blowout, and I do think one is coming, whether it's here or in game five. But this one feels over. This feels inevitable. This feels like an unwinnable fight. Ryan Music, you feel that way? Do you get that sense? Yeah, I feel I, I've I thought sort of if, if they were going to win a game, it was going to be game three, just because the Cavaliers have always this entire postseason, their role players have always played much better at home. And so I thought that first home game back was going to be the game that they would take and then maybe it would sort of shift the momentum and they would start buying into like, oh, we could actually win this. But the way last game played out, where they had a lead at halftime, Curry wasn't playing well, Clay Thompson wasn't playing well, Rodney Hood came in, provided a bit of a spark, LeBron played pretty well, and J.R. Smith didn't totally lose it for them, yeah. and then they ended up losing anyway, yeah. I sort of felt like they were like, well, we should have, had, like you said, we should have had game one, like we actually should have won that game, but we completely choked it. And then this game, we had every chance to go in and close it and end up winning, and we didn't. And so now they're sort of reserved to, we're probably not going to get another stinker like that out of Clay and Curry, so we're probably screwed now. Yeah, I wonder if they do the four more years chant or one more year or MVP for LeBron James. Going to be uh, going to be interesting. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I was thinking about the Warriors, and I was thinking about Kevin Durant. And there's this this sense from fans, and I think some from players, which is, and I've heard you know Stephen A. Smith, oh, it's the weakest thing ever because he had to go to the Warriors to win a championship. Like, all right, well, LeBron had to go to Miami to win a championship. Like, no, 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 no. They were up three games, one. Like, okay, 
The Cavs went to the finals in 07. In 08, they were beaten by the Celtics. And then he left after losing in the conference finals and joined the Miami Heat, got Dwayne Wade, got Chris Bosh. And two years later, he won a championship, right? There's, there's some similarities there. But whatever. If you think it's weak, if you think it's soft, if you think it's avoiding, uh, if, if you think it's avoiding something a little bit tougher and staying in Oklahoma City, you're, you're, not, you're not wrong. How I looked at it at the time, how I look at it now is the exact same way. I, I think I understood that he was, it was, Russ is hard to play with, right? Russ is one of those guys that, you know, everybody has a guy in their group that you love. You love him. Man, I love him. But every time we go out and drink, do you have to start a fight? Or do you have to start an argument? Don't tell me you don't have a friend like that. Music, I know you have one. Ramos is that guy, by the way. Um, no, but I mean, the, the guy who, if you go out with four or five dudes, there's one dude who either has to argue about something, right? If you go out with, sometimes you go out with dudes that are black, there's always one black dude who's a friend of yours who turns everything into, that's racial. That's racial. Don't, dude, don't be a racist, that's racial. There's white dudes that are like that. Woke white dudes. Like, eh. Sometimes there's a guy who, there's, I, I feel like this is more white dudes than, like, there's always like a white guy who's a former football player. He's like tatted up. He like wants to do UFC. And he has a couple pops. And he's the guy who bumps into people at the bar seemingly intentionally. What, dude? What? What are you looking at? What? 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 That's kind of Russell Westbrook from a basketball stance, right? Like I still love my guy who always wants to fight, but I just, it just wears you out. And then, you know, they had Andre Robertson who can't shoot and he's, and they have Steven Adams who's great and he's big, but you can't play small ball. There's always guys in the lane. It's Oklahoma city, which is cool, but you just try to try something new. And man, it looked like the Warriors look like they're having fun having fun and they're winning eagles tell you that's this is the way you can win and have fun so i i understood it at the time he gave them nine years couldn't win a championship he was bad in game six when they needed him and clay was incredible in game six and yeah he joined them and they changed their team for him but yeah so yes the warriors rescued him they did. They rescued him from Oklahoma City where he may... Remember, they, they got it Victor Oladipo via a trade. They would have had Oladipo and Russ and KD. That would have been a really, really, really good team. Really good team. Potentially a championship caliber team. But alas, he went to Golden State. They rescued him. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Brad Stevens joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. What what What's this been like for you to, uh, to receive such acclaim? You, you did such a good job deflecting it during the playoffs, but, I mean, internally, what's it like when people make so many... Um, so many comments about your specific coaching style and coaching skill during the playoffs. Well, I, I said this before, Doug, um, it's uncomfortable uh, for me. You know, I think the, we all get into coaching cause we love the coaching aspect of it and being around the game and everything else. And, um, you know, but when 
you know, the, the major moment, I guess, for a lot of us at Butler, um, when we went to the final fours was when it became, um, we became a lot more discussed, I guess, and, and a lot less anonymous. Um, those times coaching when you're anonymous are a lot more fun, <laughs> but, um, but I do think that, um, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable. The guys deserve all the credit and should get all the credit. And as I've said before, we have a role to play and, um, my role includes, um, you know, making substitutions and trying to come up with a system on offense and defense. But, um, you know, those guys are out there doing, I can't for anything else. Brad Stevens, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Ryan, if you would, can we, can we work with with Coach Stevens and try and get him uh, to where he's in a really, really good uh, uh, sell spot? Uh, give me give me a sign of when he's in a, a little bit better area there. He's just cutting out at the end. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Brad, you know, we, we've talked before about about what was what was possible, what was likely with this team. I mean, you had essentially an entirely new team, right? Like you had a couple of pieces that had been there before. Obviously, Marcus had been there since he was drafted. Um, you know, Al, of course, had been there since he signed as a free agent a couple of years ago. But such a new team. When when Kyrie was out for the year, right? When he had when he had those screws removed, and you're like, he's not coming back. What did you honestly think was possible for this team in the playoffs? To be real, to be real honest, Doug, I didn't even think about it. Um, just tried to get ready for the next game, and then you know the next game after that, the next game after that. We struggled initially um, when Kyrie was out, and then we won some games. Um, we beat Oklahoma City in kind of a, a lucky win where Marcus Morris had a heck of a shot late um, in a game we came back, uh, and then we went on the road and beat uh, one at Portland. Um, and then back ended that road trip with a win at Utah where we didn't have Horford. And, and it just kind of was like, you know what, maybe we're, uh, maybe, maybe we can figure out a way to be, you know, be a little bit better. And everybody's excited about these roles that they're getting a chance to play and, and everything else that goes along with it. So, um, I didn't really ever think about what we could do, what we couldn't do. Um, and you know, like, quite frankly, I think we're all sitting here. Um, you know, wishing that we would have done more. Like, you know, at the end of the day, we had a great opportunity to be playing in the NBA Finals, and we we came up short. You're up up twelve in the second quarter, and I thought, like, I understand that that some of what you allowed guys to get away with, you had to based upon. I mean, like, look, you 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 got to let Marcus be Marcus because he gives you so many other things. Terry Rozier, especially at home, you got to like, let him take a couple of shots. I wouldn't normally, but he gives you so much, you know, he gives you so much in place with so much confidence. But you're up 12, and it felt like your shot selection wasn't great, and you gave up, a, you know, you had done such a good job transition defense, and you gave up a couple of layups. I felt like they were close. Cleveland was close to shutting it down. That You had them, you kind of had your foot on your throat, their throat, and you couldn't step on them. Was that the feeling you had? Well, I felt like we didn't convert. I, I didn't. I, I thought the shot selection in the second quarter was really good. Um, I thought we went through a period in the third where, you know, um, we could probably have a couple of those back. And then I thought that we got pretty good shots, um, you know, late, late, or really throughout the whole fourth until maybe the last minute and a half or so um, when they took a five and ultimately a seven-point lead. But, you know, at that time, you're, um, you know, one of our great strengths as a team was, 
we've got such competitive guys that um, sometimes that's part of it, you know. But I felt good about it. And we rode those guys making those shots the whole way there, um, and I believe in them greatly that if we're lucky enough to be in that position again, then we'll make them the next time. But um, when you lose um, Game 7 to go to the NBA Finals, you comb through everything and you try to figure out everything that you could have done different. Um, and, you know, like any other game, there's always stuff. But ultimately, I felt like our shot selection overall in that game was pretty good. And um, obviously, we defended terrific, and we, had, we were really consistent with that for most of that series. If you said you combed through things, what'd you find in your own kind of self evaluation that you would have you would have personally done differently? Well, I think that second quarter just you know that that was the point in time where if that thing gets to eighteen or twenty, it's a different you know I think it's a different feel um, than letting it get back to nine six three and you know those those timeouts are so important. Um, to have late, and you get one extra one. You know, most people probably don't know this, but you, get, you basically get one extra one at the, that's not part of a TV timeout up until the 45-minute mark of the game, so with three minutes left, and be able to take two into the final two minutes. And obviously, in any close game, you want to have two in those final two minutes, and so you've got to be very judicious with when to take it. I probably would go back and take it in that stretch, my extra one, um, because I think that that stretch could have been really, really helpful for us. But as I went back and watched the shots, I felt pretty good about it. Um, but that's just part of it, you know, and, and I think you kind of comb through and go through again. When could we have made the most impact on a possession to kind of stem the tide of their runs? And, you know, we just didn't do quite enough. They made a ton of plays, and, and I think that ultimately um, – you know, again, it was it was too bad because we guarded so well. You know, it, it's it's interesting, you know, how stories are going to be told. I've told people all week long that the story of this final series, if it ends up in a sweep tonight, we're going to look back historically and say, well, it was a sweep. But the truth is, the Cavs probably should have won game one, could have won game three, and game two was, in fact, competitive. It's interesting because I'm I'm not sure if the story of of your run in the NBA playoffs is going to be accurately told, right? That you, you were up 12 and that you missed a bunch of shots that, you know, normally you would, you would make a ton of, well, I think it was like 13 open three point shots that you guys, you guys missed. How, how, how should we as, as sports broadcasters, as analysts, how should we tell the stories of games so that people can understand that the narrative maybe doesn't fit the actual game? <laughs> It's a great question. That's why you're way more qualified to do that than I am. I'm, I'm not into the storytelling. I'm just into trying to figure out how to coach the next day as well as we can. I mean, um, you know, and I think that the, I think it's important as players and coaches not to get caught up in that. You know, I think you, you try to do your job as well as you can as a coach. You try to play as well as you can as a player. You put everything out there. You lay everything on the line. Our guys did that, um, and. We, we didn't make enough um, plays as players and coaches to get to where we wanted to go. And however people want to frame a story, they can frame a story. But at the end of the day, um, we had a chance because of the effort of those young players that we had and great leadership from Al and Baines and Marcus Morris and some of our older players. And they, they put us in position to have a chance. Um, and, you know, that's what stings the most, I think, when, you, when you're when you not able to get over the hump. 
I, I got about a minute left. Last year, right before the Kyrie deal, you told me you were pretty confident that th- that was the team that was going to play this season. And of course, there's a huge deal done. Uh, did you know at the time, or or did was it was it a surprise even to you? No, not even when I told you that. I meant that. I mean, I that was something that seemed really far fetched and not you know I didn't I didn't think at that time that that would ever. Uh, materialize, and I certainly didn't think all of the the, the pieces that were in the trade were going to be in the trade. That's just a it's just a uh, you know it's a great reminder to me as a coach how quickly things can change. Um, and we were really lucky to with only four guys back from last year's team to have the group that we did because you know I thought they really um, really came together quickly and again gave us a chance um, to be good. But no. Um, I thought we were done making big moves, um, you know, 14, 16, 18 months ago. And, uh, and now, um, you know, obviously we looked, we looked like a different team, um, on September 1st than we did on July 1st of last year. And, um, I think you just stay on your toes as a coach and get ready to coach. Hey man, listen, it was an incredible run. It was fantastic to watch. I can't wait to see you guys at full strength next year. We'll, we'll see what, see what Danny pulls off this off season. In the meantime, enjoy your, your time with your family and we look forward to catching up real soon. All right. See you, Doug. Take care. Brad Stevens, head coach of the Boston Celtics. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Jim Jackson's a former lottery pick, played for 12 NBA teams. You can hear him on Fox Sports Radio Sundays alongside Mark Willard, 3 to 6 Eastern Time. He may be he may be talking uh, during the NBA Finals or he may be wrapping up an NBA season, getting us ready for um, the NBA uh, free agency season. J- he joins us now on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, Jim, I, I don't know. I feel like it's over. I mean, I just... I don't know. I mean, like, look, yeah. I... I've I've seen this before, and I have seen the Warriors let down, but Clay hasn't had a breakout game. Uh, Steph's been up and down, and I tend to think you play the numbers, you know. And I do think that Cleveland, on some level, is tired. Um, you know, we just had Brad Stevens on, and like he kind of said the same thing without saying like when they were up twelve, if that would have gotten to eighteen or twenty. I'm not sure this Cleveland team wouldn't have said, eh, "We're good." You know, we got more out of this than we thought. Uh, or to steal LeBron's, you know, got squeezed all the juice out of this orange. I don't know. I kind of feel like if this one gets double figures in the second half, that's a wrap. Everybody goes home and they and they they beg for LeBron to come back. Do you think it's over? I, I do. I, you know, a- after Game Three, even when Cleveland jumped out, Doug, uh, to that big lead. I mean, the issue with Cleveland, you know, the entire playoffs has been their lack of being able to sustain a, a double-digit lead. I don't care if it was Toronto, Indiana, Boston. They just couldn't do it because they don't have the firepower to do it. And defensively, they make too many mistakes. And LeBron said it, when you make mistakes against his Golden State team, you know, it makes you pay in a big way. So even when they went up, I'm like, okay, it's early first quarter, but we got a long way to go. And they can't sustain that level of play because at that time you had the ancillary guys making shots, which was great. But you knew that at some point Golden State was going to cut the lead, which they did. They were down six at halftime. So, so all of that led me to believe that it was going to be a tough road, of course. But then the way the game played out, I just said to myself, I said, games one, 
they had an opportunity. Game three, you have an opportunity back at home. You don't take advantage of it. You give everything you got. But yet instead, you come up short. And these are double-digit wins, basically. I know it was only eight in the last game, but really it felt more than just eight points. How do you – what else can you do to manipulate the lineup, the changes, the game plan to actually win a game? And, and I got a feeling, Doug, this thing could get out of hand and it could be, uh, it could be a blowout or it could be a really close game. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Like I, I hate calling it. You know, I, I hate saying you know being. But I've, I've, I've been really close on how I thought game one was a chance for a steal, and the Brown was magnificent. I, yep. I thought game two would be they keep at arm's distance, which they did, and then. But I, I did think that that uh, Golden State would win game three. Uh, give me your sense, Kevin Durant. What he, he was so good early in the playoffs, even early against Houston. People forget first couple games he was steady. And then he went through something to where he didn't know when to do what. His defense wasn't great. He seems to have gotten together the past two games. What have you noticed? Just, that I think, an ease. I think he's not letting his emotions get out of the way. You know, Kevin Durant can be, when I say emotional, not overly emotional, but sensitive to the fact that he lets things, the outside influences affect how he plays. And a lot of guys can't do it. I mean, you know what I mean? And it's just, I think he's a... He's allowing the system to work for him, which it should have been anyway. Because with the guys he's playing with, he's going to be able to get anything he wants. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? It's, I mean, it's unbelievable what he can do, especially in the mid-range. And as a player that talented, you don't have to force anything. You talked about a game two got overshadowed by Steph, you know, in the nine three-pointers. But he was more efficient, 10 for 14. He had 26 points. Think about the number of assists. In this series, he's averaging about six and a half assists, 10 rebounds. People don't talk about that, you know, with 31 points a game. So, and a lot of that, how hard does he really have to work? For me, when I watch a play, I'm envious because the ability for him to kind of get to his spots, to have enough room to operate because of who's around him, he doesn't have to press for anything. He doesn't have to prove anything. He's going to get his 20 shots. In a in a forty eight minute game, with relatively easy opportunities because of the mismatches, so I I was happy for Kevin Durant, especially the last two games. Um, you know it it it's fascinating to me to to get your reaction to this. I know it was three games ago, but when you saw the video of LeBron and how he reacted after Jr. he didn't know the time and score, no one called timeout. Ty Lue didn't call timeout. What did you see when you saw that video? Uh, I saw at that point that it was over. That going in, that going into overtime, there's no way they were going to win. They were going to lose by double digits because, as the leader, and LeBron understands this, he's always embracing. He always tries to bring people in. At that point, I saw the two minute thirty six second clip of it. Okay, not yeah. just when he was sitting there after he got the reaction. The whole time they went back to the bench from the uh, uh, aerial camera. And not at one point did he say anything to Jr. like, man, don't worry about it, I got it. We're going in overtime, put it behind us. We still got a game to win. Not only did he, he did not say that to Jr. he didn't say it to the rest of the squad. So if you watch the body language of those players, they didn't really know what to say because LeBron didn't say anything. And then once he asked Ty Lue if we had timeout and he said, yeah, I mean, that, when he put his hands on his head and he bent down, that right there set everything straight. That right there told the whole story. And I was disappointed from that perspective because when you lead, when you're a leader, 
no matter what happens, when things are great, things go bad, that's when you really have to step up and kind of, listen, put it to the side. Everybody knows you're upset. But that's when you really need to huddle those guys together and say, listen, man, we, we didn't take care of that opportunity. We still got X amount of minutes left in overtime to still get this W. Let's go get it. Now, if you're mad, you're mad. But if it's a front, it's a front. But say something. Do something positive. And at that time, I, I, that was one of the true times I was, I was disappointed in his leadership or lack thereof. Yeah, I I, uh, I I agree with you. Now, look, he didn't. He also he could he could have gotten in his face and gone crazy. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you could have handled it, and you know sometimes you're better off not saying anything. But in this particular space, it it sure felt like, hey, next play. You know, all these guys in basketball now, next play, next play, next play, and he just I, I know he felt like he was surrounded by incompetence. But you can't but, let but, other. But Doug, you know, here, here's yeah. the thing: throughout the playoffs, think about, and you got to give LeBron credit on this. How many times has he defended his teammates in regards to when everybody else talking about this is his worst cast of characters? These guys are not helping him. He continued to come to their defense, right? Right. So in this particular instance, this was when you really need it. This is when you because re- you can't afford to lose a Jr. Uh, in that situation, defensively, offensively, he's already been struggling. You can't afford to lose him. You're talking about winning this series, and I thought he lost right there at that moment. It's Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. I I agree with you. Um, Jim Jim Jackson joining us, Fox Sports basketball analyst. Of course, you can hear him on Fox Sports Radio three to six Eastern time every Sunday afternoon. Uh, okay, so what's what's realistic? Like if you're sitting down with LeBron, you guys are both Ohio guys. You guys are both Ohio yeah. legends, and you start kind of plotting out this off season, what would you tell him? You know, he's been such a mastermind of manipulating the situations to his favor and putting themselves in situations where he has ultimate control, which, you know, from a player's perspective is what you search for, but not many guys can get it. The thing I say is you get older in your career. You want to work smarter, not harder. This year he's worked a lot harder. Okay, because of situation. The people talk about the contract situation with J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson. They shouldn't have signed. Well, during that time period when they did it, Dougie, my understanding was that they were um, salary cap strapped, so they couldn't sign any other free agents. Those two guys were had their bird right, so they, you know, that was the move they had to make at the time. But I would talk to him about where do you want to go that now the game is not as mentally draining. Where is the place that you see that where you can perform at a high level without carrying that mental drag? I can see it on his face. He, physically, he's going to be fine, Doug. But mentally, that draining aspect has an effect on you. To me, from a basketball perspective, San Antonio makes the most sense just because of the organization. Well, the markers, I'm sure they'll take care of. Kawhi, from purely a basketball perspective. From a lifestyle, you got L.A. I don't really like the Houston thing. You know, there are talks maybe that Chris Paul and LeBron can get to Houston, but I would first talk about where can you be happy? Because when LeBron is happy, he plays at another level. When it's kind of, think about it, Doug, when you had to play when it was kind of forced on you, you really didn't feel like it, you had this mental, this mental block, you didn't play mm-hmm. your best basketball. Yeah, the, the San Antonio thing I don't love because, you know, one of his things is he likes to bring his guys with him. Uh, he may say he wants to be coached, but does he really want to be like, does he, everybody yeah. says they want to be coached until somebody actually coaches you. You're like, Whoa, hold on. What, yeah, what's going on it. there? I get it. 
You know, and but then, I was talking to and, Steven Jackson though, but he was like, Pop is one of those guys where he'll he'll adjust some things to LeBron, whether that's true or not. But Steven Jackson was talking about that same very thing. Yeah, uh, I just I, I I struggle with the he wants to bring his entourage with him. He loves to empower yeah. his guys, as you well know. He's made many of them. He's made those guys a lot of money and given them a lot of power. And the idea that that would work in San Antonio seems far-fetched. I, I kind of feel like that's one of the reasons that they're still throwing out. You're still hearing, well, maybe Golden State. Well, maybe Boston. Well, maybe here. Maybe there. Because they don't have a great answer. Well, how about this, Doug? But how much more does a Rich Paul Maverick Carter need? They've established themselves right now. That was early on in his career when they were still trying to fight and claw and prove that they were viable. When, Chris, I mean, when Rich Paul came over from CAA and started Clutch, he needed that Maverick with the businesses and everything. But are they still at that point? They've crossed that threshold of becoming independent of LeBron from from some aspects. You see what I'm saying? So I don't know if that's the same mindset as it was five or six years or when he went to Miami or when he came back to Cleveland. You know what I mean? I think they've crossed over, and now they, they've created their own little niche that I don't know if that is as important as it was a few years ago. I, I said um, earlier this hour, Jim Jackson, our guest on, on the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio, that kind of lost in this is Boston's coming, Milwaukee's mm-hmm. coming, Philadelphia's coming. Um, I I know that there's this set, well, the Warriors are just going to dominate, and where LeBron goes, they'll have a chance, and outside of that, there's nobody else. I I kind of feel like we're in we're in a, the East is is in a really good space now. We're quietly. Some of these young stars are starting to pool together, and there's going to, you know, like kind of like in the Star Wars, there's another. There will be another. Yeah, it will be. It's interesting. I want to get your thoughts on this. The Boston situation. How do you see that playing out with Gordon coming back? So I got some thoughts too, but that's it. That's going to be an interesting dynamic with that. With, with see, the, I, with I just Boston. had I just had Brad on. I didn't really ask him about that. What's, what's he going to What's yeah. he going to say? Um, but I think that one of the things that makes Gordon Hayward great is first, you know, he averaged 22 a game, not 30 a game. And so people, well, he'll struggle to get his shots. Like, no, he won't. There's plenty of, plenty of shots to be had there. Um, he's also a pretty good blend player. Like he can, you know, remember last year in the playoffs, when he finally got to the playoffs, Joe Johnson was taking a bunch of shots. Like he's not a, I need, I need, I need 35 a game guy. Kyrie's a guy who I feel like could could struggle a little bit with getting everybody else involved. But I also think that there's so much talent there. I'm not sure I would divert from that course and trade, you know, any group of young guys to get a Kawhi or to, to make any sort of move. I think it'll be fine. I think I have no, I have no fear with Gordon Hayward because I think he'll blend nicely. That's one of the, he's like one of those kind of understated stars, not superstars, but kind of like an Al Horford. Well, he'll always be fine. He'll always get his, and he fits in so well with how you want to play in 2018, being able to play and guard most any position. Yeah, you know, and I get that too. And I guess it depends on his health coming back. Because of the way the league is now, when you switch everything, can Boston go to basically a Kyrie, Jalen Brown, um, Yes. Gordon Hayward. Yes. Um, you know, Jason Tatum, Jason, Jason Tatum, Al Horford. There's Jason your team. Jason Tatum and Al Horford. Now you're switching everything. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and again, I think your point, you know, I look, I, I fluctuate a little bit. I said, do you, you know who, I think the benefit Boston had this year, Doug, was that 
they got a chance to see some guys under fire and they performed. Whereas if Kyrie was in there and Gordon Hayward, the development of maybe Jalen Brown and also Tatum would have been hampered a little bit. We may not have seen what could have happened you know, from the point guard position because um, you know, Kyrie was there. Now the Boston powers to be got a true sense of who they have as a team. And the question they got to ask, too, is you know, you look into that you know, um, time machine in, in regards to looking forward, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have to be taken care of. You already have a big contract with Al Horford. You got one with Kyrie, okay, and you got one with Gordon Hayward. It, you got to start answering this question pretty soon in regards to salary cap implications, who we go pay. And I thought that, you know, Gordon Hayward may, may be the guy that may be on the outside looking in when it comes to that because I think Jalen Brown and also Jason Tatum, their upside is much higher because we know who Gordon Hayward is. We still are tr- finding out who the other two are eventually going to be. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Jalen Brown's in the second year of his rookie deal, so that means they don't have yep. to worry about that till the end of next year, right? And yep. Jason Tatum's in the first year of a rookie deal. I so I, I think I think these are look next off season. I think they'll have a ton of questions, and maybe yep. they work that far ahead of it to where it doesn't, to where you know to to so they don't have to answer that. But mm-hmm. I I I kind of think you will let it play out, yep. and it'll organically take care of itself. And look, we still got it. Kyrie still got to come back from this. Is not a new injury. This is his. It's the screws being taken out from the four year four year ago injury. And we think his knee will will heal, but we don't know <laughs> if his knee will heal. Like there's still a lot, still a lot, still a lot to it. So it's a gonna be a fascinating offseason. All right, look forward yeah, to, is, to hearing your stuff Sunday as to what happens tonight. Thanks for joining us, Jim. You got it, man. Anytime, Doug. I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at first first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i'm saleha mosin and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.